Hello and welcome back to the Event Lab podcast. Coming up on today's show, we've got an interview with Helen Moon, one of the co-founders of Eventwell, a social enterprise dedicated to improving mental health in the events industry. But first up, we sat down with marketing guru and founder of Rough Agenda, Kelvin Newman, who'll be taking us through some excellent digital marketing tips for 2018. Hello, I'm Marcus Tamer-Williams, the Head of Promotions at Hirespace. Uh, I'm here today with Kelvin Newman, uh, one of the UK's most prominent digital marketeers, the founder of Rough Agenda, a digital marketing company who organises events such as Brighton SEO. Um, yeah, very much welcome, Kelvin. Fantastic, here to, thanks for having me. Here to pick your brains today slightly around uh, <laughs> yeah, the digital marketing in the, the events industry. Yep. Uh, so a few questions kind of going to run through. Um, Firstly, probably mm. best to focus on Brighton SEO. Yep. Obviously, come from quite humble beginnings. Mm. Um, has actually become one of the most kind of well-respected digital marketing conferences uh, with tickets actually selling out in thirteen minutes. I understand. Yeah, we do. Yeah, they go very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, start, it started out as a few people meeting in an upstairs room of the pub, um, about I don't know, a couple of dozen people coming along, and then we've moved, <clears throat> moved for a series of venues. Um, we are now twice a year. Three and a half thousand people coming from um, 40 different countries. Um, our most recent one, the one that's coming up next, uh, in fact, actually crashed the ticketing platform when <laughs> okay. we released the tickets. The one before sold out in 13 minutes. The most recent one took down an entire ticketing platform when we uh, released tickets. So yeah, seems to be doing quite well at the moment. Cool. So the, the next event coming up in April. Yep. Um, yeah. Could you tell us what marketers can expect from, from this year's conference? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, SEO is one of those disciplines of marketing um, that seems to be changing all the time. So if you're not familiar with SEO, it's a digital marketing specialism, particularly focused on when people are using search engines to find businesses or services. And there's quite a few areas of um, SEO that, you know, when you get into the nitty gritty, it can be really interesting and really detailed. So there's aspects that are like web development. There's aspects that are like PR and social media. There's aspects that are um, very similar to kind of information architecture, market research, and all of these kind of areas that if you're doing SEO, there's loads of opportunities to learn a load more about. So for the next event, we've got six well, at some stages, seven different tracks running at the same time, covering all kinds of different areas of um, digital marketing. One of the things I'm most excited about um, is we've got um, John Mueller, who is one of the Webmaster Trends team at Google. And he's going to be taking questions from the audience, which I think is going to go down very, very well. But we've got some really technical talks as well. So one of the dangers in search marketing is that um, you know, there's, there's a lot that you can do that's quite creative and it's very hard to make that actionable. So we've got a lot of sessions that are kind of quite actionable and also really delving into the nitty gritty of things like voice search, things like JSON-LD, um, things around making your website quicker, um, which is one of the big pushes that most recently um, Google have been saying that like, if you want to make your website quick, that's going to help you in the search engine rankings. So the nitty gritty of how you actually make your website quicker is one of the topics that I think is going to go down very well. Cool. So also an opportunity for delegates to, to pick the brain of, of Google who yep. are kind of actively ranking people's websites. Um, kind of leads us on to our, our next question, um, which is around yeah, another year, another set of predictions for kind of what's happening in 2018. Mm. Um, what do you see as the, the kind of major developments for digital marketing this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is always when... 
when you're faced with making predictions, I think it's easy to look at like, these big things that are going to be game changers, the things like voice search, the things like, um, you know, particularly in search, there's this kind of changing of towards answers rather than results. So you get kind of featured snippets, which are giving you the answer to the question that you're making. Also, some of the changes in Facebook's algorithm, all of those are going to have kind of quite a profound impact on, you know, the, the, the discipline of digital marketing. But actually, in most cases, I think that it's tempting to get very excited about the next big thing. And in fact, actually, I think the focus in 2018 for people should really be less about kind of how do I do this brand new thing, more being how do I get the, the fundamentals and the basics right. So that would be things like, well, how do I make the usability of my website work better? Um, you know, there's lots of tools out there now that allow you to get great data and access to information about how people are using your website, doing things like heat maps. You know, so, you know, working with venues, organising events, I'm amazed how frequently I go to a website trying to find out the capacity of the space, the higher charges, what's available, if I can use caterers. And these questions are never really answered on the website. So I then either have to go off, send an email, make a phone call, disrupt their day in order to do that, when I, they might not even be the right venue for me. Um, and actually kind of discovering what are those blocking points, what are the things that, you know, those communication needs that your customers have that you're not meeting, you know, getting that right in 2018, I think is going to be the, the, the big opportunity. Because while people are, you know, worried about, well, is the reach of my Facebook post dropping by half a percent? Actually, that's less of the challenge for kind of like, well, actually, am I telling my customers what they need to know? Okay, so focus on kind of exploring the fundamentals of your customer, but yeah. then actually using the fundamentals of, kind of website building. Yeah, features. yeah. I mean, I think that, that, you know, and if you can kind of understand those challenges, like what are the problems that people are having on our websites, that can inform your outbound as well. Sorry, your, your, you know, the things that you're doing that are spreading the word. Okay. So if you discover a problem, you know, uh, a need that your customers have got, that can then inform your content strategy, that can inform your communication strategy, that becomes what your emails are talking about your business are doing as well. Okay, you mentioned um, voice search. Obviously, yep. talking about the fundamentals yep. is very important. Obviously, yep. the future, everybody's yep. very excited yep. um, about voice search. So the last 12 months have been explosive for, for smart speakers, yep. Yep. which have really surged into the, into the mass market. So in 2017 alone, 33 million mm. were shipped. Yep. Um, about half of those around the kind of Black Friday, yep. Christmas deals, um, going very cheap. A very kind of cheap consumer product, um, which is being forecasted by some as some kind of gateway to smart home gadgets yep. in a potentially very lucrative market. Yep. Um, my question really is around how, yeah, these virtual assistants, Alexa, Google, could actually change people's web browsing habits. Yeah, I think it's going to have a real impact on search behavior, particularly. That, like, the way I make a voice search is different to the way I type in a search query. So kind of understanding that is kind of really important. And it's, you know, it's not going to, I think, I think what's interesting about voice search is it's more additive than like cannibalizing. So I don't think that there's too many situations whereby it's kind of taking away from search behavior that people would have. It's more kind of adding to that. It's the search queries that you perhaps wouldn't make in quite the same way. So when those devices are presenting the search results, um, it's quite different from that interface that you'd have on your desktop. So it's kind of almost like a screenless search that people are making. And what those devices, when you ask those types of questions that work best on voice search, is where it's providing an answer, right? So the, the kind of questions that people use voice search 
most frequently for are kind of, you know, questions, right? They're a search query, a search question that they're making. So they might be, what's the opening time? When's the kickoff time? When's, you know, those those types of questions that can, you know, sometimes be easily answered. They would be less likely to be the types of search query like, um, you know, thousand seat auditorium London. I don't think that type of voice search behaviour is going to be super common, but far more likely might be when does the ideal home show, well, when is it the ideal home show this year? That type of search query where there's a definitive answer. Now, if you want to take advantage of that, it's just kind of going, well, what understanding what those types of questions are going to be um, ahead of time and also kind of thinking about how on your website can you present those in a format that's easiest for the search engines um, to understand. Um, you, fortunately with Google, there's a lot that you can already do there. So you can see that like those answer boxes that appear um, and there's a whole world of information you can look into around kind of getting into those answer boxes. That'll set you up really nicely for Google Home. A little bit more complicated for Siri um, and Alexa uh, because there isn't that desktop equivalent um, there. But kind of in many cases, they're going to be looking for the same thing, which is kind of direct answers to questions. And the format that you use when marking up your website um, helps you. So structured data is definitely kind of one of those areas. So if you're going for a website redesign or you're working with a third party to kind of promote your, your business, the questions you want to be asking the web developer or a third party is, um, are you using structured data um, to allow um, search engines and those virtual assistants to understand the content of those pages? So obviously very... Yeah, don't forget the power of these virtual assistants, but it might be less of a habitual kind of browsing habits, more around what questions you would yeah actually ask. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think I'm going to choose a mortgage using voice search, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to use it in different ways. So I think a good, good analogy to use is the way that you use your laptop or your desktop is slightly different from using your mobile. And if I actually, again, it's an additive thing, right? So what you'll find is like desktop search has been relatively flat over the last couple of years, but it's not been declining. Mobile's just been sort of on top of that. And the, the process you do to conduct a, a search query on mobile is slightly different. You're looking for different things. It's the same with voice search. So it's a kind of a, an additional bit that kind of feeds into that. Cool. Uh, yeah, in terms of other stuff that's mm -hmm. new, there's been yeah. lots in the news uh, recently about upcoming changes to how businesses promote themselves mm -hmm. through, through Facebook, yeah. other such platforms. Obviously, there's going to be some changes to the, the Facebook algorithm, which, yeah, should have a profound effect on those marketing through the platform, um, especially venues. It's yeah. a very powerful yeah. tool for, for venues to promote mm. themselves. Um, how would you advise these marketers to adapt to the new algorithm? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that if you are a venue looking to promote yourself via Facebook, then the organic, non-pay-for options are less successful now than they were four or five years ago. Um, the most recent changes are even more of a tweak in that direction, which is suggesting that really it's sort of pay to play to some extent on Facebook. Now, that doesn't mean it needs to be expensive. In fact, the reality is, is that um, on Facebook, if you want to boost a post or to ensure that kind of your content is being seen by the people who like your page, it needn't be super expensive. You know, it can be tens of pounds, not hundreds or thousands of pounds. But that's definitely the direction it's headed. However, despite that, this doesn't mean that you should, um, you know, because it is harder, doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, and what it does mean is where you are doing, trying to promote things through Facebook, you need to do it in the right way to stand the best possible chance. And the most recent changes seem to be emphasizing interaction, comments, and, you know, that type of 
involvement of your friends. So to some extent that you're going to see a shift where kind of perhaps in the past it was more about let's do a video because video does well. Let's try and get as many likes as we possibly can. Whereas I think now you're maybe going to be seeing more where it's kind of a move towards discussion, um, increasing the visibility of your content being shared. So there's simple things you can do there, which is kind of thinking, well, rather than just kind of producing video, it's like, well, how do I get my followers involved in a discussion? So that's a good approach to have. And to be honest, I don't think that's a bad approach, even if it wasn't emphasized by the algorithm, that kind of ability to kind of go, well, you have a knowledgeable audience. So if you are a, um, you know, a venue that you've got your venue organized as who are your customers, who are the people who like your page on Facebook, how can you be tapping into their experience to help the other community who are around you? So maybe it's getting three or four of your key customers telling them you're going to have a discussion post about kind of you know, inexpensive ways to um, make a conference seem more professional and kind of encouraging them to start that. You know, you have the discussion post, you're participating as the venue, you've got particular you know, contacts who you know are going to be involved in that discussion. That's going to then start off something that has a, um, a big part there as well. And I think also we're going to see a little bit more of a move towards groups as well. So not just the page, but kind of having a group. We do that around our conference. So this, you know, this is perhaps one more of the conference organisers, the event organisers rather than the venues. But we have a group of VIPs, of people who've paid for um, tickets to our events. It's, they're called, the group is called Friends of Brighton SEO. We invite them to the group and they're, we're constantly using them as market research, right? So we're kind of saying, well, we've got these two different designs for our T-shirts. We're going to give away which do you prefer, right? And all of that is good because we're getting feedback that helps us. But it's also continually kind of promoting what we're doing to that audience in a way that because we're bene- because they're participating, hopefully it doesn't feel quite as promotional as it would be if we're just saying, sure, here's yeah. our new T-shirt, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think a lot of um, venues certainly are hesitant or yeah, kind of reluctant to investigate like paid um, Facebook marketing. Yeah. But mm. it sounds like changes are going to be promoting kind of more community engagement side, mm. which is mm. which is a venue strength. Yeah. Um, so they should really be playing to their strengths in terms of getting their community mm. talking and leaving yeah. reviews and discussing mm. kind of the benefits of the. Yeah, and I mean, I think what the reality is is that they got. You know, in the, like in the same way, any I think any company, if they're able to bring together their customers to allow them to learn from each other because they've got similar problems, similar solutions, you know, that's an incredibly powerful way of doing that. Whether that's face to face in an event or kind of more virtually in you know in a social media platform, um, yeah, you know, helping your customers help each other is a really good you know, kind of you know, mantra to have. Sure. Uh, yeah, kind of comes on to the the last question. So yeah, we represent a kind of large community of yeah around four thousand venues, um, all of which have varying degrees of expertise and resource, yeah. especially in the field of, yeah. of digital marketing. Often incredibly busy yeah. managing a lot of kind of operational <coughs> event stuff, kind of yeah, as well, in yeah. a solo team. Essentially, quick wins are often yeah kind of. Yeah, something which smaller venues are seeking. Um, are there any really quick wins to increase engagement on social media? I think a lot of it's about kind of finding assets um, that you can use in social media. And assets is a horrible word, but what I mean by that is you've got an event taking place. Are you taking photos? Are you taking short videos? Maybe even longer videos if you've got the chance to do that as well. Could you do a Facebook Live walk round of the exhibition space that you've got in the venue? Because I think that that's a challenge that um, event organisers sometimes struggle with. Is kind of going, well, I, how are other people using this space? So I know for us, we do um, 
uh, our main event is in the Brighton Centre. And they have a huge variety of different events on there from big scale conferences to dancing on ice to, you know. Um, <laughs> Very you know, versatile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, big um, gig venues as well. So it's like, is it, sometimes it's hard for us to get our head around well, how are other um, event organisers like ours using the space? And kind of like, it's not feasible for us to go to every time there's a conference on to have a nose around the event. It's that ability to kind of take a photo of a stage setup that looks amazing in that room that you can then share, you know, and you're, you're showing it on social, but that might drop into a proposal, it might drop into an email conversation, you put it in your Facebook group. You know, that ability to kind of make your, the blank space more real, I think is, is really good. And that needn't take a lot of time, right? So as you're going around, kind of checking that the, the customer's happy, taking, you know, 30 seconds to take a photo that you can upload to Instagram, definitely worth doing. So building out your, your portfolio <coughs> of assets can help you sell the, the space however it kind of sets yeah, up. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to do. That, that's what I would say, that kind of thing. It's like the, you know, there's loads of really complex things you could do to get your marketing right. But just having things that make it easier for your customer to understand what your space offers is, yeah, a bit of a no-brainer in my mind. Cool. Well, thanks very much, Kelvin. Um, final question uh, is, what is your favourite venue well i'm a big fan you know i'm brighton based all our events are in brighton so inevitably a bit of a bias down towards the south coast um here in the uk but i'm really excited to see the refurb that's currently going on at the brighton dome so the the main concert hall and auditorium still running as a kind of very much you know normal venue at the moment but they've gone through they're going for a huge refurb of the corn exchange um where it's going to become you know far more flexible far more modern and light uh, venue space and I'm really, really excited to see how that, 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 that shapes out because Brighton's a great city. Um, it's got some great venues already. Um, but what they're trying to do with the Corn Exchange there, I think it's going to work really, really well. So I'm really excited to you know, see that in, in its finished state. I love the, the architecture and feel of the building already. Uh, but if they can make some of their spaces even more flexible and modern, they're going to be in a really strong place. Love it already. I think it's going to be even better when it's finished. Great. Thanks very much, Kevin. Great stuff there, Marcus. And thank you to Kelvin for coming on the show. And now it's over to Helen Moon, who's going to tell us more about what's in store for Eventwell in 2018. Hi, Helen. Thank you so much for coming in today. It's amazing to have you on the Eventwell uh, podcast once again, because we've uh, our first special episode was actually the roundtable wellbeing discussion. Mm-hmm. We were basically we thought it was brilliant, so we were keen to continue the conversation. But uh, would you like to introduce yourselves once again for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, fabulous. Uh, thanks for having me here again. So I'm delighted to be here. Um, my name is Helen Moon. I'm Director now of Operations, Fundraising and Digital for Eventwell, um, which is now the social enterprise um, official resource for event wellbeing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, because I guess that's the thing, like, we really saw wellbeing take off in the kind of awareness in the public eye in, in 2017. People were kind of having that courage to stand up and the sort of, we saw the stigma I guess being broken a little bit because before it was almost uh, there's a real kind of suffering silence type thing that's great to see more people coming forward yeah yeah, yeah. that was a, a big thing that we, we noticed that came out of the campaign that we ran last year particularly with um, UK Event Wellbeing Week which was held in September was just uh, the number of event professionals that were coming forward that had been exactly exactly as you said kind of suffering in silence because of fear of perception, because of fear of judgment more than anything else, but also um, not really knowing where to turn more than anything else. It can be it can be a difficult thing to admit, kind of stuff you'd be struggling, or even worse if you're in a period of distress. I think one of our, our main aims 
for this year with Eventwell and with the, the social enterprise and the campaign that we're going to be running this year is, is really to give people that place that they can turn to. And that's whether they're an individual um, that's suffering themselves or finding themselves in a difficult time. But also as well, not just even on a scale that they might actually be having a difficult time or suffering, but they just want some help and guidance before it's actually got to that point. Um, so that's one of our main aims this year. But not just for individuals, but also for businesses and organisations in the industry. So in terms of what they can be doing to impact change in terms of their culture within their businesses that might be impacting on wellbeing and people's physical and mental health. Um, but also from an industry um, perception as well to, to kind of change that to more of an empath- empathetic, sorry, sort of, sort of view towards people that might be suffering from stress or mental health, but also a um, bit more understanding so people feel that there's somewhere that they can go to turn, whether that's a colleague, whether it's uh, the, the managers, whether it's the boss, uh, whatever that may be. So our kind of main aim, really envision for, for this year is to change people's relationship that they have with overall well-being. That's yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's, it's so important to create that kind of cultural environment where you can feel confident admitting that you know not everything is is okay so i guess we we uh, we struggle with that constant are you okay this this is stop that stock response of oh yeah no i'm fine yeah, yeah. yeah. yes absolutely absolutely but that's a kind of that's a not just a so like a, it's not just in the events industry yeah that's it's a british kind yeah of it's, it's, it's kind of it's breaking that kind of that stoic yeah. attitude which you know at the end of the day as well sometimes there's nothing wrong we just say you're fine so long as you know you, you have at the back of your mind that it's good for you to actually admit sometimes that it's not all right and that you know you, you might need a little bit of help and support yeah and that's not, i guess because it, it, it can be so hard to you know we put so much on ourselves we often think oh my problems aren't they're not you know they're they're nothing or compared to anything else i'm not you know yes yeah. you know, then my problems perhaps aren't as big as you know we see so much the world around us that it can be easy to just dismiss our own kind of Troubles yeah. as, oh no, I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I guess would, would you say that I guess the culture needs to the change in the culture needs to come from the that leadership in in the kind of events and and in companies. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know, culture change within an organisation is it's responsibility of everyone. But to, to change. To change a culture, that needs to come from the leadership. So that needs to come from so like a top downwards, so top management down into the teams. Um, so it's and it's incredibly. We chatted about it when we had the the root team. It's incredibly difficult to change a culture, but once it's changed, it's incredibly difficult to change it back then yeah. in return, if that makes sense. And it's all, it's all about providing so like safe and secure and happy environments where people f- can thrive and grow and prosper and st- more like that, not just from a mental health perspective, but also in terms of a business retaining talent more than anything else. If people feel happy, safe and secure in their workplace, then they're less likely to leave you. They'll stay and they'll, they'll, they'll thrive, they'll develop, they'll grow and they'll prosper. And in return, the businesses will thrive and develop and grow and prosper in return. So it's a win-win. Yeah, everyone well, concerns. I guess, like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're, when you're less stressed, you, just put, you perform better so you can... Yeah. Give yes. more of yourself to the job, or you're yeah. less caught up more. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's just a, it's a mindset more than anything else. So it's very, it's very. It will take time for it to develop, but it's just small incremental changes that can be done over a period. It's 
very easy then, it's much more easier if you're approaching it in that kind of mindset and to change the culture overall. But it's for the, the benefit of everybody. So. I mean, are there any kind of particular practices you'd like to see more companies kind of take on this year? Um, I think that the big thing that we were chatting about this morning, because um, we had our, our event world board meeting this morning, so the big thing we were chatting about is more um, balance more than anything else. Because what, as the new social enterprise and stuff and, and resource for, for the industry, we're not going to try and take two amounts of people and say, don't do long hours, don't do the travel, don't do the stress of customer expectations and stuff like that, because that is not going to change, because that, unfortunately, is the events industry. What we are going to say and what we are going to advise and try and educate people on um, is how people are balancing their life around that. Um, so it's not... Balance isn't... Work-life balance isn't necessarily a 50-50 yeah. between spending 50% of your time at work and 50% of your time. Balance is more about if you have had a particularly busy period at work, then making sure that in the lead-up to that busy period, if you can, but absolutely after that busy period, that you take some time out for yourself to give back to yourself, so a little bit of self-care. So you have interests and stuff outside of your work and hobbies. If you, if you like, go to the gym, go to the gym. If you like to run, go to run. If you, if you like to read books, go and spend some time in the library. If you like art, go and visit the Tate Modern kind of stuff. It, it's take some time for yourself so you, you can reflect. You can invest in those interests. You invest in time in yourself. And then if you have, because a lot of us do, if you have family, invest in that. Your family, your siblings, your parents, your husband, your partner, your children, your friends, your social life and stuff. All of that is important because that ensures that not only do you have a support network at work, but you also have a support network outside of work. And if you were, unfortunately, to find yourself in a time of distress, then that, that support network outside of your role as well is, is, is crucial, really. It's very important. And one of the things for self-recovery, if anybody does go down the line of having suffered from a mental health illness or, or even stress, part of that self-recovery is your, your support network is crucial for self-recovery. Um, so it's important that you invest in that, like you would invest in it, like you, yeah. like you invest for, for your work role and stuff, you train, you get qualifications and stuff like that as well. Investing yourself is maintaining those relationships that you have around you and those social circles and stuff that you have around you and investing in yourself in terms of your interests and hobbies. So you've got something that allows you to switch off. Yes, yeah, you're not necessarily splitting it 50-50, but you are having those moments where you can completely focus on yourself and switch off from that kind of, you know, being the best professional can be a sort of 24-hour job at times. Yeah, you're, yeah you're absolutely. You're constantly on it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's, that's the kind of thing that we're, that we're going to be educating this year. It's, find, it's finding that balance in your life. So that and balance is switching off. What, do you have any uh, personal favourite things that you do for switch, uh, switching off from the job? What do I have? For, I have, um, well, I, I find it very easy to switch off from the job when I'm, I'm not working. I have two phones, so there's a lot of people debate this, but I have a personal phone and I have a work phone, so when I need to switch off from work, my work phone is switched off. And that, that, it. that must make it a bit yeah, easier. Yeah, so that makes it very easy for me. But I have, I have things, I run, for example, so I, I like running. I do yoga when I can. Um, I read... I like movies, music, all that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm also a mum, so it's very easy for me kind of stuff. I, I have a little, I have a little girl to invest my time and love into as well, away from work. So it's very easy for me to find that distraction in her, and I find it's it's very important for me to invest that time mm-hmm. in her yeah, as well, and invest that time in that relationship, and also of course my partner, my husband. So, um, so that's 
with me that it's 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 finding I've managed to quite successfully find that balance between the two um, but it's it's taken time it has taken time the ability to be able to shut off from work and switch off when I need to to invest in those relationships and, and myself and my self-care it does take time but it's so it's worth it in the end so for me it's almost like it's it's just normal practice yeah. kind of stuff it, it's done without even thinking about it yeah. uh, so going back to the, the event well board meeting I mean what has event yeah. well got in store for us in, in 2018 what can we look forward to okay so basically at the, the moment we're in kind of two stages because obviously um, event well is a new social enterprise so for those that don't know what a social enterprise is a social enterprise is a business that's been set up for the benefit of a group of individuals or for a community so we we see everybody that works in the events industry no matter what they do and no matter whether that's in commercial conferences whether it's in corporate whether you work for a venue for an agency whether you're doing festivals whatever that may be you're an event professional you're working within the events industry and we all have different needs and stuff so as a social enterprise we will from a well-being perspective, um, offer education, advice, resource, knowledge to that that community of event professionals. So that's as a social enterprise. Um, so basically, at the moment, we're, we're going to be in phase one of that that business growth. I'm um, doing a lot of research, research and development, speaking to the industry and finding out what the industry needs from us. Because obviously, we're we're a new. New enterprise, yeah. so it's what that industry needs. We're going to be working very closely as well with a company called Stress Matters. It's led by a lady called Laura Capel Ebreth. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Stress Matters does is work with organisations on a consultancy basis in terms of how they can implement um, wellbeing practices within their organisations. So we're going to be working with Stress Matters as well. So that's on a business level. And then what we'll be doing from a personal individual level with professionals in the industry is speaking to them about how we can provide a resource and support and stuff for them. So currently at the moment, we're, we're in that research period at the moment, so we're in kind of phase one, and then the latter half of the year we'll be going into phase two, which obviously will involve the second event wellbeing week that we'll have held. That's been held on the 17th to 21st of September. Um, and we'll be asking everybody in the industry, same as we did last year, to get involved with initiatives, and we'll have lots of plans and stuff coming out. So that's all been... Yeah, put into place at the moment. Very so exciting. yes, yeah. So it's all kind of it's planning, it's research, it's developments, making sure that we've got some like white papers in place, we've got information in place that people might might need um, to move forward into phase two, and then the latter phase two kind of stage of the business. We're looking at developing an event program. Uh, we'll have some challenge events. It's all quite exciting. All the stuff that we've got coming up. Um, but yeah, that's that's the main plans for this year. Yeah, so I guess if we were to kind of jump forward to the to the end of 2018, are there any, well, I guess what's like the sort of one big important change that you'd you'd like to have seen kind of take place this year? Um, so our kind of our vision for this year, as we've said, is basically we want to um, basically push a positive, t- tangible change in regards to the events industry's relationship with well-being. Mm. So what we basically mean by that is we want to basically change changes people's perception in terms of well-being and stuff. So and that's what we say with the values that we set in place. So from an industry kind of perspective, we're, we're, we're talking about empathy. 
so that people have an understanding in terms of what that means and that's everybody within the industry so that's an industry-wide kind of empathy kind of value and then from a business organizational perspective then that's culture and then from an individual basis and that's self-care so at the end of this year what we want to have seen is some real tangible change in terms of people's perception and relationship with not just their own self their own um, well-being and mental health and, and physical health as well but also from a business's perspective and an industry's perspective as well yeah i guess it's so important that people can feel like others empath- can empathize with their kind of their well-being needs and what they need the individual needs to do in order to yeah. get yeah. that yeah, yeah. I think one of the, the, the big challenges that came out of last year, and particularly talking to people and people that were very bravely, very open about the struggles and stuff that they, they had experienced, I think one of the big things that was coming out, so the reason they've been quiet for so long was because of perception. So if we can change from an event industry perspective overall, that we have more of an empathetic. Empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can display more empathy. Mm in terms of what people might be experiencing and a little bit more compassion, then that will that will go some way to alleviate what could be a, a, a stopping stone for some people in terms of reaching out yeah. and getting the help that they need. So that's really important from an industry-wide perspective that that, that empathy is put in place as a value for the industry. And then obviously the, the organisation is culture so that people, when they're going to the workplace, again feel readily open, that they can openly reach out for help and support from managers and team members, but also so that if they just feel happier at work. Yeah. And then from an individual basis, obviously, that they're... Because you have, you have a responsibility as, as an individual as well to be taking good care of yourself, kind of stuff. So it's, you know, if you've got a busy event day, um, make sure that you've, you've fueled your body sufficiently mm, for that. So, you know, you've had a breakfast, you've, you've had a lunch, you've eaten the right foods and stuff, eating lots of protein and stuff as well. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good kind of pointer for busy event professionals. Um, don't fill yourself on pastries and coffee. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's something the kind of leadership can help out on. They can sort of encourage yeah. the sort yeah, of yeah, employees yeah. to take care of themselves. Yeah. So, very much, that's, that's our... That's our kind of strategy for this year, our main objectives this year, we'll be doing a lot of education and pointing people in the right direction of how they can make slightly simple changes yeah. such as that, that that will help them in terms of their self-care but the same with the businesses, that's where stress matters comes in with the businesses in terms of that culture and also um, we'll do a lot of talking at industry events such as we've got Confex coming on, it's IMAX, um, IBTM all of the major industry events we'll look at having panels where we'll be talking from an industry-wide perspective about how that empathy having better yeah. empathy can impact um, for the benefit of all of us. Yeah, no, it should have some big benefits. Hopefully, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. I think it will. Um, I mean, Event Wellbeing Week, last, it, it was so well received. And what, we'd, what we've done up until now has been so well received by the industry um, that we just want people to take ownership of it as well. Mm. You know, that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's for people to... As I said, take, start taking better care of themselves and also to be looking out for their team members and colleagues and stuff as well. So that's how you can make those major differences. Um, but yeah, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see where we, we yeah, are. Yeah, no, it really will be. We'll have to, we'll have to do another yeah, after yeah. a year in review episode. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So whether we're all walking around in a zone of zen, yeah. I have no idea. So yes, yeah, yes.
Yeah. yeah, great. Well, thank thank you so much for coming in to speak to us. That was really, really insightful. No, perfect. Uh, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, can't, can't wait for a year ahead. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You'll be hearing lots of it. So there's the event, there's the Event World website as well. So if anybody wants any further information, it's eventworld.org. Um, so everything will be on there. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. So we've got all the social media accounts and we have a Facebook page and LinkedIn page. So there's... There's lots of channels and stuff where you'll find lots of information and stuff and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely worth following some really useful advice and, uh, and, and tips. Fabulous. Great. Yeah, thank you very Excellent. much. No, thank you. Exciting stuff from Helen there. It'd be really interesting to keep an eye on Eventwell and follow the work that they do this year. Well, I think that just about wraps up the episode. So all that's left for me to say is you can follow everything Event Lab on twitter at eventlab underscore hq you can find us on instagram at eventlab underscore hq you can email any questions you have to eventlab at highspace.com thanks for listening